How's everybody? Good. I hope you're doing well. I'm trying to do well. I was very sick this weekend, so I'm hoping that what I say today is comprehensible and encouraging and helpful, uh, but I'm really glad to be with you. It's Christmas time. Who's excited about Christmas? Anybody? Yeah, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Some of you have been practicing your exterior illumination skills, right? Uh, some of you may be more than others and are really getting good at that. It's also, listen to me, it's also the best time of year to invite someone to church. I'm telling you, it's the best time of year. Um, more people are open to hear and to receive and to respond to an invitation to come to church at Christmas time than any other time. Um, we've got another week left in this sermon series, which we're having a lot of fun with and hopefully learning with. But also, we've got two candlelight services coming up. Uh, one next Sunday night at 6 p.m. and also one on Christmas Eve at 6 p.m. So we want you to be here. We also want you to invite your family, your friends, especially those who don't go to church, to be with you either next Sunday night or on Christmas Eve. If you want to come to both, you most definitely can come to both. Um, but we definitely want you here for one, and we want you to bring your friends and your family and your neighbors with you. Um, there's invite cards that are on the tables on your way out. Feel free to grab as many as you want and invite your family and friends to be here. Anybody excited about candlelight service this year? Just a little bit, maybe? Okay, all right, good, good, good. Good. So we're in week two of our series called God with us. And if there's one thing we want you to know, if there's one thing we want you to get, if there's one thing we want you to receive in this three weeks of this sermon series, it is that you, regardless of your circumstances, regardless of what's going on in your world right now, you are not alone. Literally, we can believe this truth, God is with us. And we want to look at that truth in Scripture this morning, Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23. We're looking at this verse quickly every week because we want it to permeate our hearts, our minds, our souls. This is a truth that we not only need in our hearts and our lives at Christmas time, this is a truth we need in our lives all year round as we face anxieties and worries and troubles and fears and doubts. We need to know this truth. Matthew chapter 1 verse 23. It says, look, the virgin will receive, excuse me, will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. This is the entire Christmas story being told in one verse of Scripture. This is the amazing idea, concept, uh, truth, and doctrine of the incarnation right here in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23. God becoming a man, Jesus becoming a baby. It's an absolutely incredible, incredible thing that we see happening here in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23. It is God giving us Jesus so that we have the possibility through him of having a deep connection and a deep relationship with God. So there's what it says, Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So let's work on this a little bit and make sure we're getting this in our hearts and our minds. Emmanuel means what? God is with us. One more time. Emmanuel means what? God is with us. So every time you sing a song over these holidays, it has the word Emmanuel in it. You know you're talking about a name of Jesus, and that name literally means God is with us. So here we are on Sunday morning at Holland Chapel. I believe that this is truth for us in this moment. I believe God is with us right now. When you leave here this afternoon, hopefully you get that 
blissful Sunday afternoon slumber. Isn't there something just extra spiritual about a nap on Sunday afternoon? Isn't it good? Don't you hate it when your kids mess it up? Anyway, but when you get that and you wake up and you're kind of out of it and golf's on or whatever you're doing or whatever you're watching, just know that God is with you. Tomorrow morning when you get up and, and you get to go to work, God is with you. Wednesday when you're pushing through and trying to make it through the week, God is with you. Uh, this Thursday or this Friday or when, whenever the news comes that maybe you're not really wanting to hear, just know that God is with you. Maybe for you right now, life is going great Maybe you just got news from the dentist, no cavities this year. Yes. Maybe your sports team's doing really, really good, or at least you have faith that they're going to do really, really good next year. Yeah. All right. Maybe your kids are getting all A's right now. Hallelujah. Maybe, maybe your boss is a Christian and he's for you. Listen, if that's you right now, God is with you. But maybe, just maybe, your heart's really heavy right now. You feel a heaviness in your spirit. Maybe you're afraid of what's around the corner. Maybe you're tired of waiting for something. Maybe you're worried you just can't go on. Maybe you're worried about your aging parents. Maybe you're worried about yourself getting older. Maybe you're worried about your kids and the decisions they're making. Maybe you're worried as a result of some of the bonehead decisions you've made lately. Maybe you're worried about paying the bills. Or maybe, just maybe, you had a bad dream last night that you were supposed to stand up in front of a bunch of people and teach, and you got tongue-tied. That was my dream last night. I don't know what your worry is. I don't know what your doubt is. I don't know what your fear is. I don't know what your struggle is right now. But I want you to know God is with you. In the midst of your anxiety, in the midst of your fear, in the midst of your worry, in the midst of your wondering, in the midst of your waiting, God is with you and he is for you. Earlier I said that you are not alone. We want you to know that God is with you. We also want you to know that you're in a room full of people that also have anxieties and worries and doubts and fears. Can I get a little bit of an amen from somebody in the room? All right. Me too. So you're not alone, and we want you to know it's okay to say that you're not okay. Maybe you're struggling right now, and you just don't want anybody to know about it. We don't want you to struggle alone. We want you to experience the presence of God in the midst of your chaos, and we want you to experience some friendship and some brotherhood that comes to the church. I'm going to repeat what I said last week because I think it's really important, especially if you missed last week, to kind of hear our heart on this issue that we're really talking about out of God is with us and speaking into our anxiety Anxiety is a complex issue. It is one of which I do not try to pretend that I understand, fully comprehend. There are things that worry you and bother you that don't make sense to anybody else, but they're real for you, right? There are things that worry me and bother me that for other people, like, what's your problem, man? But it's real for me. And as we talk about the complexity of anxiety... Uh, maybe for you, maybe you, you need uh, some help with your diet and you need to go to a dietitian and get some things figured out. We want you to go. Um, maybe you got a chemical imbalance and you need to go to a doctor and get some things figured out. We want you to go. Maybe you've gone through some stuff that you need some help, some help processing and figuring out and you need to go to a counselor 
we want you to go. But what we feel like our responsibility is here at this church is to speak into the spiritual aspect of your anxiety and encourage you to go to the Lord. Because regardless of why you're having anxiety, why you're having worries or fears or issues in your heart right now, we all need to go to the Lord because he is our help and he is our hope. God is with us. So last week, we gave you this big idea, we gave you this principle, and that is that sometimes we need to get still. We need to pause, and I know it's really hard to do with our schedules and with our lives and with everything that's going on, but sometimes we need to get still and get a word from Emmanuel. And what I pray is, I pray that this last week, for those of you that have needed a word from Emmanuel, I pray that he has given you a word. I want to remind you that you don't have to sit around and grit your teeth and, and, and listen really, really hard to get a word from God. He might want to speak to you, but here's how I know for sure he wants to speak to you and he is speaking to you. It's through his word. We have the privilege and opportunity of opening it up, knowing that every time we read it, God is speaking to us. And so if you need a word from God, I want to encourage you to open the word of God so that Emmanuel can speak to you. Well, today I want to give you this idea and this principle And that is sometimes we need to get out and we need to see what God has done and be reminded of what he has promised. Sometimes we need to get out and we need to see what God has done and we need to be reminded of what he has promised. Well, last week we looked at a guy in the Old Testament who was struggling with anxiety. And today we're going to look at another guy in the Old Testament who was struggling with anxiety and fear as well. Um, I don't know how you view some of these Old Testament characters in the Bible. I grew up in church and um, we had the whole flannel graph thing going on. And anyway, as we learned these stories about some of these Bible characters, the only stories I heard as a kid was these was this idea that these guys were just heroes all the time, right? They just made one good decision after another. Then I got a little bit older and I started reading the whole story and I realized, man, these guys were really messed up. <laughs> I'm serious, you go back and read, and man, the guy we're going to read about today, his name's Abram. We're going to find him in Genesis chapter 15. And I'm not saying that to mar his character or to tear him down. I just want you to know that these guys, these people that we read about in the Bible, they are real people. They dealt with stuff just like we deal with stuff. They struggle with stuff just like we struggle with stuff. Abram was this guy that God had called to leave everything he knew, to load up and to leave. And he said, I'm going to have you leave, and I'm going to have you go to a new land, and I'm going to give you a new land, and I'm going to give you a kid. Abram was really, really old at the time that God had told him this. His wife was old, and he was waiting for this promise to come true. He had been waiting, and he had been waiting. In his waiting and in his going, there was obedience and there was faith. There was reiteration of the promises of God. And then there was doubt and there was fear and there was even failure. He made some really boneheaded decisions. And I would go so far as to say that Abram made some sinful decisions along the way. And yet God was faithful to him. He never left him. He never quit on him. Isn't it good to know that if God didn't quit on Abram when he made boneheaded, even sinful decisions, to know that God's not going to quit on me and God's not going to quit on you. He is faithful, okay? He's always, when he says, I am with you, he's like, I'm with you when you're doing what you ought to do, and I'm with you when you're doing what you ought not do. I'm with you when you show up to church, and I'm with you when you don't show up to church. I'm with you all of the time. It's an incredible promise of God. Well, in Genesis chapter 15, we pick up in verse number 1. 
And it begins with these words. It says, sometime later. So we're about 10, maybe 15 years after God had originally gone to Abram, who eventually would become Abraham. And if I call him Abraham as we go, it's because I mostly know him as Abraham, and you do too. If you grew up in church, you sang that song, Father Abraham had many sons, right? And we're going to kind of get into that story just a little bit today. And so Abram is who he's called right now. So sometime later, about 10, 15 years after God had originally called Abram to leave where he was and go to a new land and promised him a son, Abram is still waiting. He's still waiting on the spot, and he's still waiting on the son. And so he is trying to be patient. He's trying to go forward in faith, but he is struggling a little bit. And so again, it says, after or sometime later, it says, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I think there was a couple of big reasons why Abram was possibly afraid at this point. I think one, I think that he was afraid that God's promises weren't going to come to pass. I think he was afraid he was running out of time. Like, how much older can I get and how much older can my wife get before we can have kids? Because they're getting old at this point. And by the way, before it all comes to pass, they're going to get older, like ridiculously old. And so he is waiting and he is waiting and he is waiting. God, I'm waiting on the spot, but more importantly, I'm waiting on my son. And I've just gone to battle. If you read the story, he just went to battle. He had a big victory in battle with his warriors, but it's almost like he stirred up the hornet's nest and a bunch of other kings were getting involved and maybe coming for him. And so God knew and validated the fear that Abram was having. The fear that you're having right now is most likely real, but also is the God who speaks to you very real when he comes to you and he says, do not be afraid. He knows that you have fear. He knows that you have anxiety. He knows that you have worry. He knows that you need to hear these words. This is the first time in Scripture that God says these words. Do not be afraid. God goes on to be recorded some hundreds of times more saying this phrase to his people, do not be afraid. Maybe that's the word you need from the Lord this morning. Facing what you're facing, going through what you're going through, waiting on what you're waiting on. Maybe you need to hear God say, do not be afraid. Why could God say this? Well, because he's God, but look what else he says in the scripture. He says, do not be afraid, Abram, and I want you to notice this. For I will protect you. I will protect you and your reward will be great. Abram, I know you got a lot of stuff going on. I know you're still waiting. I know you're still wondering. I know you got fear. I know you're wondering what's going to happen with these other guys that are maybe coming for you. I know you're curious about the spot and I know you're curious about your son. I know you're waiting, but I want you to know that you don't need to be afraid because I will protect you. It's almost as if God said to Abram, hey, Abram, for Christmas this year, I'm going to wrap myself up, and I'm going to put a bow on top, and I'm going to put myself under the tree, and you can open me. Fellas, if you're wondering what to get your wife for Christmas this year, maybe you could take a little hint from God here and maybe wrap yourself up and put a bow on yourself and say, baby, I got your gift. I'm here anytime you want me. Open me up anytime you're ready. I want one of y'all to try that and get back to me and see how that works out for you. Here's what I think she'll probably say. She'll probably say, go to the store and get what I want. That's probably what she's going to say. By the way, that's pretty much what Abram says to God. 
God says, I'm giving myself to you. I am giving myself to you. And notice the response in verse 2. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings? And what blessings is he talking about here? All the stuff that he has, all the wealth that he has, all the belongings that he has. But he's responding to the very thing that God had just said to him. He's even speaking into the very presence of God being given to him. That's one of the, that is the blessing. And he says, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? God, I know I've got all of these things. And I've even got you, but I don't have the one thing I still long for. How many of us forget all the things that we have because of the one thing that we're still waiting for? We forget to be thankful. We forget to be grateful. We even potentially get to the point that we become oblivious to. We forget. We, we grow mindless that we have the very presence of God. That Matthew chapter 1, 23, God is with us, is true for us. And we forget that. And we are so consumed with the one thing that we're still waiting on and hoping for and wanting that we forget that we have the very presence of God. God in our lives. Oh, how quickly Abram forgets the blessing of the presence of God and how quickly we forget it too. We need to remember his faithfulness. We need to remember his promises and we need to be grateful for his presence. But this waiting thing, man, it's, it's hard, right? I don't know what you're waiting on right now. I've got a verse for you. It's Proverbs chapter 13, uh, verse 12. And it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. If you've never read Proverbs before or aren't familiar with this verse, maybe you're like, what in the world is that saying? Well, um, this verse is pretty much saying when you're waiting on something and hoping for something and it doesn't come, there's just a sickness. There's an there's a angst within you. But then it says, but a dream fulfilled, when that hope becomes a reality, it is a tree of life. This verse of Scripture kept me going. It kept me going for 26 years until I finally stood on a stage with that beautiful lady right there and we said, I do. I was waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And this verse kept me going. And she's my tree of life. It's inscribed on the inside of my wedding band. Now, you may say, oh, that's silly. And you're trying to be all romantical and stuff like that. Listen, whatever you're waiting on right now is not silly to you, is it? Whatever you're waiting on right now is a big deal. And if you don't have it, it creates an angst in your spirit, a worry in your spirit, uh, maybe even doubting in your spirit. And I want you to know that God is aware of what you're waiting on, and he wants to provide for you. Look at what he goes on to say in verse number 3. Abram goes on to say, you have given me no descendants of my own. So one of my servants will be my heir. Abram at this point has accrued quite a bit of wealth. He's a pretty powerful guy, and he's looking at everything he's got. He's like, man, when I die, I guess it's all, all going to go to my servant. I don't have a kid to give this to. I don't have a son. I don't have an heir. This guy over here who's my slave is going to get all my money. Verse number 4. Then the Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. This is a repeat of the promise. God knows us well enough to know that things have to be repeated to us over and over and again. How many of you got kids? 
If you have kids, how many times do you have to repeat things to your kids? Infinity, right? There's no number. There's just no number. Brush your teeth, brush your teeth, brush your teeth. That was just for one day, right? Just one day. We're the same way, guys. God tells us stuff and we don't get it. God tells us stuff and we don't remember it. And man, he's got to repeat it and he's got to repeat it and he's got to repeat it. He's like, Abram, I told you and I'll remind you that what I said is true. I've always been faithful. I've always held to my promises. One of these days, you are going to have a son. Listen, if God, this is very important for me to word this well, if God promises you something, not if you tell God to promise you something, but if God promises you something, he is going to fulfill his promise. And he told Abram, I'm going to give you a son. So I'm going to give him to you. I'm going to give him to you. Look at verse number five. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. So we can assume from the text here that it is dark outside. And as it's dark outside, we can assume since it's nighttime, Abraham's hanging out in his tent. All right? So he's inside here. He's in his own little world. He's having a sleepless night. And he says to God, God, look at my circumstances. God, look at my situation. God, look at my problems. God, would you pay? Look over there in the corner, God. There's the crib. It's still empty. There's the floor. I've been staring at the floor. There's the ceiling. Still staring. There it is. There's the ceiling. There's nothing on TV right now, and I'm tired of playing Candy Crush. God, would you please come down here and check out my situation? I don't think you're aware of what's going on. Can you imagine? God, you're not aware of my situation. Come on now. God, like, oh, wait a minute. Let me, let me come down there. I had no idea what was going on with you, Abram. Let me come down there and see what's going on. Abram's saying, God, you need to see things from my, from, from, from my perspective. To which God says, no, 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 son. You, you need to come look at things from my perspective. This is when God, if I were him, I would have, like, dropped the cosmic, like, smack down. Like, boy, you don't even. But God, who is rich in mercy... Comes down, he says, no, come outside. Come outside for just a minute. Let, let me show you something. Would you look up just a minute? Would you get out of your little old tent? Would you get out from underneath your eight-foot little ceiling? And would you come outside and would you look up at the stars? And why don't you try counting those, Abraham? See, see how that goes for you. Just go ahead. Start. If you need to start over, go for it. Let me know how long it takes you. Get back with me. I'll be here because I don't ever leave you and I don't ever forsake you. So you start counting. Abram, I'm the one that created all those stars. I'm the one that sustains the universe that they're in. And Abram, in case you can't remember, I'm the one that created you, and I'm the one that sustains you, and I'm the one that provides for you, and I've always kept my promises, and I'm going to keep this promise. I'm going to give you a son, and from your son, there are many sons that are going to come. Abram, you need to see things from my perspective. You need to trust me. You need to not forget what I've done. Don't forget what I've promised. Sometimes we've got to get out. We've got to get out of our own little bitty situation and circumstance of which we think the whole world revolves. And we need to step outside and see what God has done, see what God is doing, be reminded of what God has promised, and be reminded that he is large and he is in charge. 
Okay? God knows what's going on with you. The question is, do you know what God is up to? Because he's up to something that you don't even realize a lot of times. And he takes him outside. He says, Abram, I'm up to things you can't even, you can't even comprehend, so start counting them. Sometimes you, you need to get out and you need to get into a different situation. I want to show you a picture just the other day. We got out and we got into the nursing home. And this sweet lady, her name, her name is Miss Doris Van Pelt. She's 101 years old. We rolled into her room the other day and uh, we were delivering Christmas gifts. And uh, I met Miss Doris when she was 98 years young. That's when I met her. Okay. We roll in the room. Nick has on his, we're delivering Christmas gifts. He has on like these Elton John Christmas glasses. I don't even know what was going on there. You couldn't even hardly see his face. We walk in. She's 101 years old. And she says, well, that's you, Nick. And she follows it up. Again, I've only known her a few short years. She met me when she was 98. She's, she's 101 years old. And she says, and you're the preacher. More importantly than being sharp, let me tell you what Miss Doris is. She is full of joy. There's never been a time that I've been around her where she has not encouraged me, caused me to laugh, laughed with me, and just enjoyed life and enjoyed the goodness of the Lord. Sometimes you need to get out and you need to see people like Miss Doris Van Pelt to change your perspective. This next picture is of Sean Robertson. It's he and his wife, Tina. They went on our trip to Peru. They were part of our team. Maybe, just maybe, you need to get out to another country sometime and see what God is doing in other places. Let me read to you what Sean said as a result of their time of getting out and going to Peru. Here's what Sean said. He said, I am poor. In Matthew 5, 3, Jesus tells us, blessed are the poor in spirit. The shift in perspective for me last week was being face-to-face with the total separation of physical poverty and spiritual poverty. The world promotes the requirement for its wealth as its commerce. But God says, I will bless everyone that simply recognizes their need for and hungers for his spirit. We saw people that lived in physical poverty, yet were robed in spiritual abundance. I pray that we will all receive this blessing of recognizing our need for his spirit. What a shift in perspective. This next picture is of Julie. Julie was a part of our team as well. This is what she said after getting out and seeing Peru. She said, the joy we saw and felt from all the kids, volunteers, pastors, and families was beautiful. They immediately pulled us all in like we were family and made us feel so at home and welcomed. We sang in two different languages, but yet we harmonized as one and were praising the same great God. We served together with no barriers. After being in Peru, I now see things differently. We can always do more to help others. We can always show more compassion and love. We can always serve each other with a more cheerful heart and know we are all working for the same purpose. I want to be a better servant for Christ in whatever capacity with as much joy, love, and unity as my new friends did. Listen, I don't know where you need to get out to But I want to encourage you this week to get out from your own little world that you think is all that exists. Your problems, your circumstances, your limitations. And go and see what God is doing, what God has done, and what God has promised. And be reminded of his blessings, his kindness, and his presence. Got another verse of scripture for you. Psalm 103 and verse 14. It says, for he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. (laughs) 
God looks at me and God looks at you and he loves us and he realizes how faint we are. He realizes how prone to worry we are. He realizes how weak we are. And he says, you know what? Those people need me. It's the reason why he said, I'm going to be with you. It's the reason why Jesus came. It was not just to stand up there and say, hey, guys, I'm for you. But he comes down and he says, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I know that you're going to need my help. I know that you're going to need my strength. I know that you're going to need my perspective. I know that you're going to need my power. I know that you're going to need my provision. And so he brings that to us. Look at Genesis 15 and verse number 6 as the story continues on. So God takes him outside for a little field trip. And in verse number 6 it says, Abram believed the Lord and counted him, excuse me, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his what? Because of his, come on now, because of his what? Not because of his church going. Not because of his, I didn't do that over there with that crowd. Not because I gave a little bit over here, but because of his faith. This is the gospel. The gospel has always been the same from Old Testament all the way through the New Testament. Our faith in God is what makes us righteous. What good news that is. It's not I got to do more good than bad. How many of you are in if you got to do more good than bad, right? Like eh, maybe on a good day, right? God says, listen, it's not about that because you can't accomplish that. You are weak and you are frail. I'm sending you my son. Abraham realizes this. Abraham believes in the Lord, and because of his belief and because of his faith, he is counted as righteous. Listen today. If you are righteous, if you are saved, if you are going to heaven, if you are a child of God, it is because of your faith. It's not because of your good works. In fact, the Bible says, by grace you are saved through your faith. It's not through your good works, because if it was my good works or your good works, guess what we'd be doing? Boasting. But the only one we have to boast in is who? God, his son, Jesus Christ. Abram believed, and he was counted as righteousness. And so we're seeing promise, and we're seeing faith. Now verse number 7. Then the Lord told him, told Abram, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur the Chaldeans to give you this land as your possession. I'm reminding you of who I am. I'm reminding you of what I've done, and I'm reminding you of what I've promised. Abram, I'm not done. I've always been faithful. I am faithful. I will always be faithful. Okay? Promise is reiterated. It's repeated. Verse number 8. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, how can... (laughs) Look at this. How can I be sure that I will actually possess it? Do you see what's happening here? Fear, promise, encouragement, faith, promise, fear, doubt. Abram is on a roller coaster ride. Up, down, all around. Guess where God is? There. For the whole ride. And maybe you're the same way in your life. Some days things are going great and you feel good and God is good. Man, I believe in him with all my heart. Then the next day you get the news and it's not what you want or, you know, something happened to your cat or whatever. And, and uh, you know, and you're just down and you're out. You're on a roller coaster. Guess where God is that whole time? He's there. He's faithful and he's sure. So if right now you're in a, a moment where you're like, man, I've got great faith right now. God is with you. If you're in a moment right now, I'm, I've got a lot of doubts. I got a lot of fears, I got a lot of worries, I got a lot of concerns.
God is with you. And so God understands that Abram's struggling. He understands he's struggling. Look what he goes on to say in verse number 9. Then the Lord told him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a partridge in a pear tree. Some of you are like, wait, what? 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 Some of you just woke up, didn't you? It actually says a young pigeon, but it kind of rolled, didn't it? Let me tell you what's being set up here. God's setting Abram up for a covenant. Okay? Look down in verse number 18. Verse 18. It says, so the Lord made a covenant with Abram that day. Let me tell you how this looked in the Old Testament. Okay? Let me look in the Old Testament. You would get an animal or some animals to make a covenant. You would sacrifice said animal. You would then cut the animal in half. It's pretty gruesome, right? You'd cut the animal in half. You'd place one half of the animal over here. You'd place one half of the animal over there. The two people entering into the covenant would join hands or link arms. And as they would walk through the two carcasses, they would say what they are going to do. This is what I'm going to do. And then they would follow it up by saying, And if I don't do what I say I'm going to do, may the same happen to me as has happened to these animals. What is that telling us? A covenant's very serious, isn't it? By the way, marriage is a covenant, right? It's serious. It's serious. And I'm just telling you that to give you the weight of a covenant. It's a very, very serious thing. Well, in this instance, Abram's had a sleepless night. He tried to count the stars. He had great faith. He had doubts. He had fears. He had all this world of emotions. The next day, he's set all these animals up. It grows dark, and Abram falls asleep. After one sleepless night, he's sleeping hard. God knows that Abram has fallen asleep. And God proceeds to enter into the covenant without Abram. God decides, you know what, Abram, I don't think you can hold up your end of the deal, but I know I can hold up my end of the deal. And this covenant's on me, not on you. So God walks through these carcasses and enters into this covenant with Abraham, and God says, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what I said I was going to do, and if I don't do it, may the same happen to me as happened to these animals. This is the faithfulness, and this is the word, and this is the um, proof of God's faithfulness to Abram. God declares his promise in the form of a covenant. As he walks through alone, it's almost as if he says to Abram, Abram, this story is bigger than your story. This morning, I just want you to know that his story is bigger than your story. I'm not saying your story doesn't matter. I'm not saying your situation doesn't matter. I'm not saying what you don't, you're waiting on doesn't matter. But I'm here to tell you, his story is bigger than your story. And let me tell you what went on with Abram. Abram got invited into the story of God. Guess what God is doing when he invites you to follow him? He's inviting you into what? Into his story. He's inviting you into something that's way bigger than your, your realm and your circumstances and your stuff. He's inviting you into something that's way, way bigger. So when Jesus says, come follow me, it's a huge invite. It's a huge invite. And that's what he's inviting, inviting us into is his story. Little did Abram know at this point, he just couldn't comprehend, he couldn't see this far ahead. 
that this son that he was waiting on, that God had promised him, was actually a promise of a bigger fulfillment and a bigger promise that God was making of another son that he had promised. God eventually, through Abram's son that he would give him, whose name was Isaac, would then go on to have a son who would have a son who would have a son who would eventually, after having more sons, bring us to a baby named Emmanuel, Jesus, God with us. See, Abram's story mattered, but God's story was bigger. Your story matters, but God's story is bigger. And the crazy and incredible thing is, he invites us into it. Even with all of our worries and all of our doubts and all of our fears and everything that we are waiting on. Abram had God speak to him. Abram had God make a covenant for him. Abram had God fulfill his promise to him eventually. Listen, we too have God speak to us through his word. We get to hear the whole story. We have the privilege of having Genesis through Revelation. We get to see the whole picture. He's made a covenant with us. I don't know if you realize this or not, but God has made a covenant with all of mankind that is greater than any covenant that's ever been made. It happened about 30 some odd years after Jesus was born. When Jesus went to the cross and he died there, a covenant was made between God and all of mankind that it was through Jesus that all of us would find forgiveness and that all of us would find righteousness and that all of us would find hope. And just like Abraham sometimes would forget the covenant and forget the very presence of God, sometimes we get so focused on the one thing that we don't have, we forget the one thing that we do have, and his name is Jesus. The one who said that he conquers all. The one who says that he forgives all. The one who said he's coming back again and is going to make everything the way that it should be. That ought to give you a little bit of hope, people. One of these days, everything's going to be made right. And Jesus is going to accomplish that. It's because it's who he is. He always kept his promises. He always provides. He always keeps his promises. So... Don't dare say, I know you gave me Jesus, but there's still this one thing i got to have. Man, like, trust him for what you need, but relish in what you have in Jesus. God with us. Don't get so consumed with the presence with the T that we miss the presence with the C, whose name is Jesus. Be focused on him. Sometimes, sometimes. We need to get out and see what God has done and be reminded of what he has promised. God says to you, do not be afraid. God says to you, I, me, I'm going to protect you. I am with you. I am for you. God says, get out and see my promises and my provision. God says, I sent my one and only son for you. My son died for you. My son came back to life. My son is coming back one day for you. In the meanwhile, I'm with you. I know what you're going through, God says. I care. I will provide for you. I will protect you. I am with you. Again, sometimes we need to get out and see what God has done and be reminded of what he has promised. Where, where do you need to go this week? Okay, this week. 
Where is it you need to go? What is it you need to see this week for God to remind you, have the opportunity to remind you of what he's done and what he has promised? Is there somewhere you need to go? Is there somebody you need to go talk to? Is there some place you need to go? Is there a night sky you need to encounter? Is there a, um, a, a conversation you need to have with someone? Get out from underneath your circumstances, which are real and are a big deal, but get out from underneath those and get into what is a very much so bigger deal, which is the presence of God. And let him come over you and remind you through a field trip of how good he is. Maybe you're like, I don't even know where to go. I kind of hear what you're saying, but I don't know where I need to go. Would you pay attention this week? Would you let God show you something this week that maybe you've never noticed before that through which he can change your perspective? And you can see things in just a different vantage point and say, you know what? That's still a big deal, but God, you and your presence and your power and your promises are a way bigger deal than that. And I'm believing that you're bigger than that and you can handle that. In the meanwhile, I'm going to trust you. God, I've got doubts and I've got fears and I've got worries, but I'm bringing them all to you. I may be up in the middle of the night, but like Abraham, I'm going to shove it all to you and I'm going to trust you're going to give me what I need. You're going to tell me what I need to hear. God, it's yours. It's not mine. It's not mine. So where is it you need to go this week to get some perspective that you need in your life? Maybe you're not a believer yet. Maybe you're not a Christ follower yet. And maybe the perspective you need this week is the perspective of God on you. And maybe you need to quit coming at it from the perspective, well, I think I'm a pretty good person, so I think I'm okay. And just get God's view of you. Okay? God views you and he sees all of it. He sees all the good and he sees all the bad. Let me tell you something. Your bad is so bad. It really is. It's called sin. And you need to see it for what it is and understand that God sees it for what it is and understand that he offers forgiveness for all of your sin through Jesus. And you need to experience this forgiveness by placing faith in Christ. That happens when you realize how God views you. And not only him seeing your sin, but seeing his love for you, seeing that Jesus died for all of your sin. That's where a lot of us in this room are, right? Like we're believers. We saw that at some point. We saw how bad we were. We asked for Jesus to forgive us, and he forgave us. Listen, believers, don't forget the forgiveness that you have in Jesus. Some of you right now are forgiven and going to heaven and you are so down and you are so out and you are so grumpy and you are so moaning and whining and you've forgotten what Jesus has done for you in faith. Get some perspective and be reminded of who he is and what he has done for you. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I know there's people that are hurting. I know there are people that are doubting. I know there are people that are full of fear and anxiety. It's just a reality we face in our lives. But God, you know this and you're coming to us in the midst of all of that because you care. God, maybe somebody here this morning that's even wondering if you're real and that if you do care, I pray that God, you would use something that's being spoken, something that's being said, something that's being done, something that's being sung to make yourself real to them this morning. Father, if there's someone here that's not a believer in you yet, they've never stepped across the line of faith. They've never trusted in you. I pray that today would be the day that they would place their faith in you and allow you to forgive them of their sin and to become your child. Father, if there's somebody here today that's a believer and God, just things aren't going exactly the way they want them to, or maybe it's just flat out hard, it's miserable right now, I pray you'd encourage them. 
I pray you would remind them of your presence, remind them of your provision, remind them of your promises, and you would meet them right now with your presence, and they would experience you and feel you and know you right now, knowing that with you they can carry on. Being thankful for the many things that you've blessed them with, in particular, your presence, your very presence, Emmanuel, God with us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.